Welcome to Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. We're taking a little departure this week from our usual recording studios, and we've decided to do the show at the Seven Cups Tea House. Those of you who've listened in the past know that the Seven Cups Tea House is the home of my tea mentors, Austin and Juping Hodge, and we're surrounded by all of their great tea. And I am doing the show here with my producer, Terry. Hi, everyone. Having a wonderful cup of Lapsang Souchong. If you happen to like barbecue or smoked Gouda, smoked salmon, Canadian bacon, this tea is definitely for you. We are in the midst of our series on scented teas. Last week we spoke about jasmine tea, and we're moving from flowers and florals over to smoky. And Lapsang Souchong is just that. The history of Lapsang is fairly straightforward. It comes from the Wuyi region of the Fujian province in China and has its origins somewhere in the mid to late 1600s. That's the region where black tea originally came from, and, and around 500 years ago, a lot of the techniques for making black tea originated. And in that region, the main wood that they use to make fires and heat is pine. And they were making the fires to take out the moisture from the tea leaves, as they normally do from black tea. And in this case, some of the batches got particularly smoky. And while there are some stories of how a group of soldiers went through that region and disrupted the flow of the tea drying, and therefore they had to speed it up using really hot pine fires, and that's where it originally came from. But uh, there's not as much evidence to support that. It makes a great story. It does. It does. It does sound good. The truth be told, it seems like it was just a natural progression. As they were making these tea leaves and they were drying them out, some of the batches just became a little more smoky than what was well embraced by the indigenous population. But who loved it? Foreigners, the British in particular. They loved that smoky flavor, and as a result of that, it became kind of a popular tea. Now, from then till now, the smoke has been increased, probably in the original days, which is a light smoke, but the demand for smokier and more rich flavor and aromatics became more prevalent, and today you get that. You get teas that are really lightly smoked lapsang to very deep, rich, woodsy lapsang as well. So you have to be aware of what you're getting and how deep the smoke happens to be. One of the great things about the smoky flavor of lapsang, Sushong, is that it comes from that pine wood. Now, pine happens to have certain things, certain aromatics that make it particularly good for smoking with. It's uh, got some floral elements and some strong woodsy elements that the smoke is able to impart into the tea leaves. You know, they use uh, some of those aromatics from the pine in perfumes and in the cosmetic industry, and it happens to lend itself really well with the flavor of black tea. Lapsang Sushong is also really easy to make. You can make it just like you do any black tea. You can use a teaspoon, teaspoon and a half of loose tea, or a tea bag per cup. Use boiling water. Remember, use good water. That which tastes good cold is also great for making tea. And then steep for three or four minutes and you've got a great cup of lapsang. You can also re-infuse those leaves of that tea bag a couple more times. It will sort of get a little thin by the third infusion, but certainly for the second infusion, it's still quite good. That flavor of smoke, I notice, is sort of a love them or hate them kind of experience. Some people just 
really do not like Lapsang Sushang, but the people that love it adore it. Many people say that it reminds them of times they spent camping. It's considered kind of a pensive, thoughtful tea, one that you might have if, say, you were uh, on a cold day reading a book by a fire. It's reminiscent of that kind of an experience. The final thing that Lapsang Sushang is excellent for is you can cook with it. Did some of you try my recipe for making rice with jasmine tea? Well, hopefully it turned out well. And in case you don't want to try any recipes that happen to come from somebody who can barely boil water, we have a better alternative for you. We are going to talk with Chef Robert Wemishner about how to cook with Lapsang Sushong tea. He is the author of four cookbooks as well as a uh, food educator. And we are going to explore some of his work as well as a wonderful recipe that uses Lapsang Sushong. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Hi, my name is Roxanne and I am with the Maya Tea Company. Now Manish and the guys know an awful lot about tea and they have put together some incredible blends. But let's face it, Sometimes they still need a woman's touch. I have a special gift for aesthetics and have put the finishing touches on most of the tea blends that we make in-house, but I've also created my own blends from scratch. One of my own tea blends has become the number one seller for the Maya Tea Company, the Pomegranate Mojito Green Tea. Pomegranate Mojito mimics one of my favorite bar drinks with fresh green tea, peppermint, lime, and pomegranate. And don't worry, if you're missing that extra kick, this tea tastes incredible with an added ounce of tequila or rum. Don't be afraid to spice up your teas. That's what I do. You can find my pomegranate mojito tea, as well as recipes and many tea cocktail ideas at www.mayatea.com. You can save 15% on any of your tea selection, particularly the pomegranate mojito. Our coupon code is STEEP. Cheers! Or as we say here in the Southwest, salute. Welcome back to Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. Today we have a particularly special treat. We get to talk about Lapsang Sushong and cooking. Chef Robert Wemishner is the author of Cooking with Tea, and he joins us on the program today. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, thank you very much, Manish. Great to be here. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about your background and your experience. I know you've written four books. Yes. You know, I, uh, in my college years, studied Japanese language and culture and art and history. And, and uh, in that context, at the University of Pennsylvania, although these many years ago, I um, met lots of, of Asians who enjoyed uh, tea, and at that point, green tea, certainly, and that was way ahead of its current uh, popularity. So I, I started in the tea world by drinking or being introduced to drinking green tea on a regular basis during my college years and really uh, found that, that I enjoyed it very much and, and, you know, food being a key to the culture, 
uh, and beverage as well, I, I uh, wanted to be sure to, to gain entrance to that culture by understanding some of the food ways, and tea was part of that. So I uh, began my, my interest in tea then, and then it, it sort of uh, kept on through my college years, but then, um, you know, sort of fell to the background somewhat, and then only in the last maybe 15 years or so, uh, my interest uh, reemerged as I was working on writing my first cookbook, which was called the Vivid Flavors Cookbook, where I was using ethnic ingredients in many different categories to infuse and flavor what then was not even called fusion cuisine. I was ahead of that, but that's sort of what it became, I think. So I, I looked at tea in a different way, not only as a beverage, but as an ingredient as a flavor, you know, as, as a bold flavor in many, many cases. So I, I began experimenting with tea as an ingredient, using it in broths, uh, spice rubs, uh, flavoring foods, both sweet and savory. And that's when I realized that my taste for tea went way beyond green tea, which, by the way, I don't know what, what you think about this, but I think in general, although it's gotten lots of press um, as a very healthy product, which it is, I'm sure, it's not perhaps the easiest point of entry for people in terms of um, becoming familiar with and enjoying teas. I think black tea really is, is where people enter or might enter first and then move away from that into green. I agree uh, with you. It's kind of a progression. Yeah, as a progression of sort of training your palate and, and understanding, you know, what we conceive as bitter versus sweet, perhaps, flavors in tea. So uh, then in, in my journey, I, you know, had a chance to taste lots of other kinds of tea and um, began the idea of, of using tea as an ingredient, which, by the way, is not, you know, original with me, certainly in the Chinese culture and the Japanese, not in Indian, interestingly, which is the other major tea-growing uh, region, tea is an, is an ingredient in, in, and used in a culinary way. So uh, I think of myself as reinventing some of the classics, using the, the wisdom of many years of people working with ingredients that were local and indigenous, and then taking it the next step. So that's, that's, that's where entering my cooking with tea began. And you've written four books. That's right. My first book, as I mentioned, Vivid Flavors, is a book, as I say, which explored ethnic ingredients. Living in Los Angeles, you know, where the world's pantries are available to us as cooks and chefs, inspired me to write the first book. And then my second book was a book that grew out of my business life. I owned a specialty food store, gourmet-to-go kind of store in Beverly Hills for many years and prepared all kinds of foods to go and pastries and and sold products, including tea. And then my third book was Cooking with Tea, um, where I fully um, immersed myself, no pun intended, in, in the process of, uh, <laughs> of uh, uh, using or exploring the culinary potential of the leaf, you know, in sweet and savory ways. And Diana Rosen, whom I, I know you know, uh, is my um, longtime writing partner. She and I collaborated on, on that book. And then my most recent book, which continues the journey of my interest in tea, is called The Dessert Architect, which is really a book for serious amateurs and professionals in training in the pastry world on how to create multi-component plated desserts. So in that book, I do have and have continued my interest, never leaving it aside, 
I have a number of recipes where tea plays a, a flavoring role in, in the desserts. You know, in the sweet world, you know, tea uh, is the flavoring for an oftentimes artificially colored green tea ice cream. There are better ways to make green tea ice cream, actually. First of all, you need to use good tea, real tea. But uh, in cooking with tea, I have a, a nice recipe for that where I serve it with a sesame caramel sauce. Those flavors really work well together. We definitely want to get our hands on some of those flavors. What we'll do, let's take a quick break, and when sure. we come back, why don't we jump into Lapsang Sushong tea and also how we can use that to make one of your great recipes, Lapsang butter. Great, so sure. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Hi, this is Sarah with the Maya Tea Company. If you've been steeping around with Manish Shah, you've likely heard me on random radio commercials. Although I'm sure I could have had you fooled, no, I'm not a professional radio presence. Actually, I work alongside your host, Manish, during the Monday to Friday 9 to 5, pushing paper and paying bills. And like most of us 9 to 5ers, I require a daily dose of caffeine. Luckily for me, working in the tea business, there's no shortage of caffeinated teas to choose from. But I generally stick to my two favorites, yerba mate and pu'er tea. Yerba mate is strong and grassy, while pu'er is earthy and robust. When it comes to flavor, these teas couldn't be any more different. But I can depend on both of these to keep me on the edge of my seat, which is really a necessity when you work with a guy like Manish. You can find these wonderful teas, yerba mate and pu'er, on our website available for sale, but that's not all. Check out the blog section of MayaTea.com for a blog written specifically on each of them by yours truly. You'll find a variety of other blogs there as well. That's right, Maya Tea Company isn't just about selling great tea, it's all about education and community. So if you like what you've heard on Steeping Around, you're sure to love what you're going to find on MayaTea.com. And if you type the word steep into the coupon code, you can save 15%. Cheers! Welcome back to Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we continue our discussion with Chef Robert Wemishner on cooking with Lapsang Sushong. Before we get to our recipe, Lapsang Butter, describe to me what you like about Lapsang Sushong. You know, Lapsang is really a, a, a beautiful, uh, rounded... It feels to me more like a winter or wintry tea, something like cold weather, and God knows we've got plenty of that happening in the country now. And it's a to continue. But um, it's not just one thing, really. You know, there are many different kinds of Lapsang Suchong. Some are much more smoke-infused. Some are much more what we would consider in the tea parlance, tarry. Um, I actually like a Lapsang that is not heavily smoked, uh, so that it has a smoky presence, but not overwhelming the tea flavor. So yeah. as, I, as I taste a number of different lapsangs, you know, I tend to separate them into categories, ones that I would want to cook with versus ones that I want to drink on a, on a cold, wintry day. Um, but to me, in general, the tea encapsulates 
the best of um, rich uh, flavor and 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 just satisfying. You know, and of course the aroma. You know, has got to be part of it because we drink or imbibe with not only our our palate but our you know our nose. Indeed. And so, give us an idea of how to make this. Lapsang butter. I looked at it and I thought, right, yeah, I, I got hungry butter. just thinking I mean, about truthfully, it. Um, it really is a simple process. All right, what we need to do is take good quality aromatic, and by aromatic I mean fresh, and by fresh I mean buy tea that is from a vendor that you are sure of providing fresh product to you. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to slowly melt unsalted butter in a, in a heavy saucepan with uh, some whole premium quality lapsing souchong tea leaves. The amounts may be four ounces of butter to about uh, a tablespoon and a half maybe of tea leaves. Now this is a generous amount, but I want to, to properly infuse the butter with the flavor of the tea. And the flavor of the tea, of course, is partly the smoky essence of it. So we're going to melt the butter in a saucepan, add the tea leaves, and just let them come up to just under a simmer. In other words, the, the, the butter would be bubbling a little bit, and then turn it off. Let it sit. That is, the tea leaves are in the butter. Let them sit for you know a good five minutes at least, and you should be able to smell that tea, smoky tea flavor in the butter. When it is uh, fully expressed in the butter, then pour that mixture through a fine mesh sieve, pressing hard on the tea leaves to extract as much of the butter that's attached to to the leaves as possible. And that resulting butter, Lapsang Suchung butter, with a touch of salt added, can be used as a simple uh, pan sauce, perhaps, if you're sauteing, let's say, a fillet of salmon you know, in a heavy pan. After you've sauteed it, just lightly gild the fish with this beautiful smoky butter. You could use other proteins, you know, chicken can be used, of course, um, scallops are wonderful uh, in the presence of this. And then what you're really doing is you're getting a lightly smoked flavor without any smoke in your kitchen. You know, the smoking part of it has already been done for you. <laughs> that's right. so, so it makes it very easy to, to come up with something that's complexly flavored but simply executed. That is, I, I am, I'm going to try it. You know, You've got, got to. Really I mean, you know, and one more thing you might add, you know, if it is a fish um, dish that you're going to be putting this on, you could add just a few drops of fresh lemon juice. You know, I think that, uh, you know, this, this sort of just balances everything out. I did mention a touch of salt because you're starting with unsalted butter, which is, sure. of course, that delicious dairy flavor that you want in there. And that just helps bring everything to the surface. Right. The other thing you can do, which I didn't mention, is once you've made this, you can then chill this up. So you put it in the refrigerator, let it firm, and then uh, you, you might have some watery part of the butter that comes out. Get rid of that, you know, dry it all off, and then you could cut it into sort of, you know, little pats or rounds and put it on top of, let's say, a steak, which would be very nice, where oh. then it will melt, you know, and the aroma will be lost in the air in front of your nose, you know, as you, you take the first bite of whatever you put it on. So then we're calling it really a compound butter where you're taking butter but adding something to it, which is really what you're doing, uh, and in this case, taking the tea leaf out. But uh, you might do the same process uh, classically in French cuisine where fresh herbs are put into butter and you, you leave them in there. In the case of the tea, we're not leaving them in. We're taking them out. Okay, I don't know about 
everyone, but I, at this point, am officially starting. <laughs> you made me hungry. I didn't start, right. start off the phone call that way, but we've certainly gone into that, uh, into that phase. I would very much like to include more shows in the future with you on Cooking with Great. Me. I'm quite certain we will have you on again. But it has been a pleasure to have you join us. For those of you who would like to know more about Chef Robert Wemishner's culinary musings, you can find it on his website. That website is www.robertwemishner.com. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-W-E-M-I-S-C-H-N-E-R. And he's written four books. They're all on there, great recipes especially using current local ingredients. I noticed that. Yes. Which is wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks a lot. I look forward to it. And thank you, folks, for listening this week to Steeping Around. Next week, we're going to continue our series on scented teas, and we're going to talk about Jen Mai Cha, or Gen Mai Cha, depending on how you pronounce it. We hope you'll join us. And as always, it's been so much fun Steeping Around with you. See you next week. 